So we should let you know, uh, I guess this first segment, the Carrie rule applies. Uh, Carrie is the young woman who, who let us know that sometimes our segments are too gross. And they are. Yeah. So if you don't like the gross stuff, just maybe skip ahead just a few minutes. Yeah. So I, I swallowed a piece of gum recently, and I've always heard that it lives inside of you for seven years. It takes seven years to digest. Uh, I don't know if that's true. So joining us now is our resident doctor, Dr. Peter Lechman. Dr. Lechman, is this true? So it sort of depends on what you mean. So you, you eat a piece of gum, and it's got different components to it. There's flavoring, there's um, sort of seasoning type of stuff, and then there's the actual gum base, which is the mushy thing that you chew on. Yeah. Your body immediately digests off all the flavoring and all the additives, but you're still left with this gum base. And this gum base will stick around. It's very difficult to digest. It would theoretically stick around forever if it stuck around, except that nothing sticks around. So everything passes through. Now, there have been cases in the, even documented in the medical literature of kids getting clogged up by their gum. Ah. So, so this has actually happened. There's, there's three really good case reports that I found in the literature of constipated kids who, these kids were swallowing five to seven pieces of gum a day. All right. Having chronic constipation actually got to the point where they were in a hospital having procedures done to try to unplug them and literally masses of gum the size of baseballs were, were clogging up the, um, the sort of last mile. So if I'm a normal kid... Daily pooper? No, okay. So, yeah. And I, and I swallow, you know, a piece of gum from time to time. That's no different than swallowing a chewed up piece of food in terms of how it's going to stay in my body. It's exactly right. So it's like eating a kernel of corn. You can watch it come out 36 hours later just with your gum, just like your gum would. Really? You, had, you, you brought up corn in this already gross conversation? Well, I, I was thinking about corn races. I don't know if you had enough boys in your family, but in a family full of boys, you had to find ways to occupy yourself. So one sport that we had were, were called corn races. Wait, you're kidding. No. Do you know what you call the winner? No. The colonel. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is the first one to get the corn? The first one to see the corn wins. <laughs> but anyway, you could have the same game with multicolored gumballs, and you would, could have a race, but they would all come out. So I think we should keep this a secret from our children. I think we should continue to tell them not to swallow gum because it's kind of stupid to swallow undigestible objects. Mm-hmm. But from a purely medical perspective, the odds of anything untoward happening are, are really, really unlikely. Well, Colonel Leckman, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> I think I'm going to change my bat. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We are not in the office this week, but we did want to get to at least one of your questions. Received at 3.38 p.m. today. Hey, Mike and Ian. It's uh, Cesar calling again from Jersey. Um, I love to cook, and I often use onions. I've heard many ways to minimize the tears, but I'm trying to find what the best solution is since I have now two young daughters that like to cook with me. Anyway, if you can shed some light on that, I'd appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Great show. That's a great question, Cesar. And uh, online with us now is Russ Parsons. He wrote the book How to Read a French Fry. That is a book about kitchen science, not about reading. So, Russ, uh, first question, why do onions make us cry? Onions contain um, um, many, many, many chemical compounds, but they're kept nicely separated 
in, in little in little packets, kind of in little sacks of of, of cellulose. Right. When you when you break those packs, though, like when you chop an onion or when you you know when you cut it or you know all of those chemical compounds ooze out and they combine. And one chemist that I was talking to referred it referred to it as a cascade of chemical reactions that happen in the blink of an eye, which I thought was a great phrase. And, and when they combine, they the the end result is something that's a form of sulfuric gas. And it's heat volatile, so you know at room temperature it will come up and it will either get into your eyes or you know to a certain extent up into your nose, and and that is the process that makes you cry. And so, one of my favorite geek facts is that those chemical compounds are called lacrimators, which is from you know the Greek uh, lacrima, which is the word for tears. Oh wow! So so if I'm to understand, uh, basically an onion is made up of uh, these tiny little rooms, each filled with different chemicals. When you chop the onion, you break down the walls between these rooms. The chemicals combine and create sulfuric gas. Exactly, exactly. So when you when you when you smell an onion when it's intact, it never makes you cry. Right. You know, but but break open those rooms, let those things mingle together, and let let those chemical reactions happen, and boom, sob sister again. So the onion is there. Is there a reason why then that the onion causes us to cry? Was did the onion do that as like a defense mechanism from people chopping it up? I haven't talked to one, um, so I'm not exactly sure why. There are there are plants that do have those kinds of defense mechanisms naturally. Uh, uh, potatoes, for one, you know. Um, but um, wait, what do potatoes do? Well, potatoes, when they're exposed to the sun, turn green. You know, when they're exposed to too much light, they turn green. Let me be more accurate. Uh-huh. Um, and th- that that green is a chemical compound that will, I mean, it can be in extreme cases, it can be poisonous, but it'll give you an upset stomach. And that's to discourage animals, including humans, from eating car- uh, uh, potatoes before they've had a chance to sprout and reproduce new, new potatoes. Okay. So uh, to the lacrimator uh, function, is there, is there any defense? Can I, can I keep from crying when I'm chopping an onion? <laughs> You know, I, I did a story once where I, where I talked to, I, you know, I talked to various people from chefs to, you know, uh, about how to do it. And some of the some of the solutions were absolutely wacky. There was one guy who actually told me that if you stood on a slice of raw potato, <laughs> that uh, that you wouldn't cry. I, I, can, I still can't figure that what, what the possible connection could be. There are there, there are some really common suggestions. Uh, you know, the, some of them are more practical than others. The gas is heat volatile. So if you chill an onion really deeply before you chop it, um, that will reduce the crying. Um, some people suggest cutting up onions underwater or under running water, but that just seems like more of a pain than it's worth. The gas is, is slightly flammable. So, you know, if you could, if you like, put a votive beside the onion while you're chopping it, I suppose that reduces it. But none of these things seem to make much sense. The the thing I do at home, and my girlfriend insists that this is nonsense, and she's almost always right, is when I'm chopping them and I start to cry, I will go over to the sink and hold my hand under running water. I heard that was that would help. And it always seems to, but it could just be that I'm leaving the onion and going I over. I think it's this. leaving the onion. I don't yeah. think it has anything to do with your hand. <laughs> I mean, holding your hand under running water is kind of a good idea because it will get some of those sulfur compounds on it. Uh, some people wear goggles when they're cutting onions. I actually, yeah, I, I was looking at the catalog and I saw onion cutting goggles for sale as like a separate thing. <laughs> <laughs> the entrepreneurial spirit, right? The, 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 the best advice that I can give is 
uh, and the most pra- what seems to me to be the most practical advice is just make sure your knives are really sharp. If your knife is sharp, it disrupts fewer. Uh, it disrupts fewer of those uh, of those cellular houses. I, I we keep talking about sulfuric gas, and uh, I I'm not a chemist, but uh, isn't that I apologize? What farts are made of? There are very many forms of sulfur. Okay. <laughs> So it's not safe to say that my own. And I think, is, and I yeah. think, if you want to go down that road, we're going to have to start talking about beans, and that's a different food subject, <laughs> and maybe a different subject for a different show. <laughs> well, Russ, thank you so much. Hey, it's been a pleasure talking to you. So, a uh, podcast ago. Uh, Hanan had written in, and he said he listened to our podcast while washing dishes. So uh, we played a soundtrack for that. Well, now we hear from Lee. He says that he listens to the show while he's at work. To be a little more specific, while he is sending the same email a hundred times a day. So, Lee, these next 15 seconds are for you. Some people say a man is made out of mud. I think if I had to listen to this song a hundred times a day, you may remember, uh, we got a question from Anton. Anton wants to know, how do you set up, uh, from the movie Dumb and Dumber, how do you set up this joke? So he said, do you love me? And she says, no, but that's a real nice ski mask. <laughs> So since we put that out to you, we've been getting submissions uh, via our 1-800 number, which is 1-800-GAGAX-5. And here is one of our favorites so far. For your question or for your uh, puzzle um, of the joke with the punchline, uh, I have an idea. And this is how it would go. Uh, I, my girlfriend and I were walking along the coast of Maine when... Uh, we were discussing our future, and she had just told me that uh, she could never love me because I was going bald. Well, I was very upset with that, and so we just kept on walking and discussing it and trying to think of other things, and I noticed a bottle in the, in the sand, so I said, well, maybe I can give her the bottle and she would uh, just, uh, it would think it would be nice. It was an ancient bottle. And I thought maybe I could give it to her and she would uh, change her mind. And so I picked up the bottle and brushed it off. And out popped a Native American witch doctor. And he says, oh, thank you for freeing me. I'll grant you one wish. And I says, oh, I would love to have a full head of hair. And suddenly I felt a transformation and the genie was gone. Or the witch doctor was gone. So I turned around to my girlfriend and says, Well now, do you love me? And she says no. And she says no. But that's a real nice ski mask.
All right, that comes from Dennis and is definitely our leading contender so far. Get us your submissions at howto at npr.org. Or you can leave them as a voicemail at 1-800-GAGAX-5. That does it for this week's show. What'd you learn, Ian? I, I learned that there's a lot more going on when I'm chopping onions. You know, there's there's gas, there's chemicals combining and gas rising up that I can't see. Yeah. That's making me cry. It's like a chemistry experiment. Yeah. Onions must be really good when it comes down to it. I mean, they must be better than, than we realize, that we're willing to go through that. Because it's excruciating. I mean, what, what other food, uh, if I was like, hey, would you like uh, a graham cracker? You're going to have to cry for five or six minutes before you get to eat it. Yeah, and there's like a, it'd be like a graham cracker with like a leg trap. Yeah, a bear trap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah. How to Do Everything is produced by Blythe Haga with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week. Oh, hold on. My wife is calling. Hello, you're on How to Do Everything. Ask if she wants to be the intern. Hey, do you want to be our intern this week? We're taping the show. You're actually on the tape right now. Can I call you back? I'll do that. Thanks. Bye-bye. Did she want to be the intern? She said sure. Our intern this week is Eva Nielsen. Congratulations, Eva. Keep up the good work. Get us your questions and your toilet submissions and your punchlines at howto at npr.org. And you can visit our website, which is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks.